Today, Pastor Chuck is going to talk about our responsibility as Christians when life gets messy. So right now, let's welcome our senior pastor, Chuck Boer. All right, hey, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, by the way, welcome to all you who are in the building. Welcome to everybody on the patio. And a big welcome to all you who are watching online. And remember, like I always love to say, geography doesn't define family. Uh, I know how true that is. My grandkids are, are out from Denver. And uh, you guys, all the, most of you are like this. Man, there's not a moment. Like we pick up right in the moment. It's not like we have to catch up. You know why? Because we're family and we get to be together. And that's what I love about church. And family is important. I think during this season, we've all learned more than ever how important our relationships are. Uh, James is going to talk about that today. But I have a big why in my life. Why? Uh, I ask the question quite a bit. I talk to God a lot about it, even though now I think I've begun to have some answers. But it's also a question that many of you have asked me, and I don't mind you asking. Uh, it was just a few nights ago, Pam and I and Tracy were out with a couple, and they began to hear a little bit of our story, and then all of a sudden, when I got to this part of it, they said, why? Why is my oldest son not walking with the Lord today? Um, when he was conceived, I, I began to quote scripture over him while in the womb. Pam and I both prayed and prayed for him. Uh, when he was born, he knew my voice right away. I'll never forget that moment. The nurses were even so surprised how quickly he knew right where I was somehow in the room. And I prayed for him and I quoted scripture to him and as he got older, his favorite, favorite moment of the day was me telling him Bible stories as he went to bed. He begged for it. He loved going to church. He knew all the answers. Whenever he went to class, he knew all the answers. Tim Roberts was in a class with them when they were little, and Tim said that my son Rich drove him nuts because his hand was always up, knowing all the answers. He worshiped. I mean, we never had to prod him or tell him. He just did it. When he was in junior high, he was a spiritual leader in our youth ministry. When he was in high school, he started his own life group that met in our house and kept growing. He also became the president of the Christian Club of Glendora High School, which, by the way, uh, the, the student population of Glendora back then was about 1,300 students. 400 or more were in Christian Club Rich Led. And I remember one day he came up to me and he said, Dad, he said, Greg Laurie is holding a, a seminar on how to preach and teach. Can we go together? And we went. And not only did he eat it up, but I'll never forget how many people there knew him. Like ran up and rich, rich. And like he just had such great camaraderie of Christian friends. And uh, boy, he soared in his teaching ability. So I remember showing up more than once at Glendora High. They had to move the Christian club to the gym. It was so big. And Rich would teach to over 400. That's bigger than most churches. 
And then in his senior year at Christmas time, he told us, I don't believe in God anymore, Dad. Why? Nothing, nothing is more devastating than that. Um, Mike Fisher is a name many of you may know, some of you may not. Mike Fisher was a professional hockey player who uh, ended up meeting and falling in love with Carrie Underwood, and she fell in love with him. They're on fire for the Lord. And uh, Mike Fisher said this. He said, someone recently asked me what my greatest fear was. Right away, I thought, well, it's losing a child. And then as I thought on it, I was like, no. I think the greatest fear for me would be having a child that didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. I want my sons to see me and be like, this is real. This isn't just what he's saying. It's not an informed faith. This is a transformed faith. He said, I want my sons to say my dad is different. And uh, I'm with Mike Fisher on that. Let me tell you, there are a lot of things in life hard to take and tough to bear, but the hardest thing is when your children don't walk with Jesus. And uh, I want to tell you as your pastor... There's a lot of things hard about being a pastor. A lot of things good. A lot of things are really, really hard. And the hardest is when people from our church family fall away. You know, I want to tell you this, even though I love Crossroads and want everyone to come here, someone leaving Crossroads to go to another church, that's easy. When they're falling away from the Lord, it's heartbreaking. And James shares that same concern. In the letter that James writes, he comes to the big ending moment. That's where we are right now. And James calls out to you and he calls out to me to be a difference maker, to bring people who have have fallen away, straight away back. Uh, He says it this way in James 5.19. He says, my brethren, if any among you strays, look at that word strays, strays from the truth and one turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways, now look at this line, will save his soul from, do you see that word? Death. And will cover a multitude of sins. Don't miss this. I know some of you are going to right away react, but I'm going to tell you, don't miss it. It's so plain what James just said. He said, if any among you, in other words, that goes, I'm writing to Christians, If any Christian wanders or strays away from the truth, their soul is is in a danger of death. They'll go to hell. Uh, He's talking to believers saying, you and I need to understand that. You and I need to understand the gravity of what we're talking about. When a believer falls away, can they go to hell? Yes. James doesn't mitigate here. By the way, I, I could load up Lots of scripture and show that to you. But my biggest concern is that so many people that they they bought into something that isn't true, so we don't care enough to go after those who strayed away. We don't, we're like, like, well, you know, once saved, always saved. Well, if you really understand that doctrine, you wouldn't say it that way. The truth of the matter is, you and I need to have a holy discontent when somebody we know is not walking with Jesus. 
And it's especially true, this might surprise you, it's especially true when it's a believer who's straying. It's especially true. We should care about everybody. We should want everybody to come to know the Lord. But just like my greatest heartbreak in my life is my oldest son, who I am so concerned where his eternal destiny will be. He's a good man. He's an honest man. He's an excellent person in his profession. He's one of the top professors uh, in his college, and he's sought after. Uh, He has so many things in life I'm proud of, but I'm so concerned for his eternal destiny. Would you all agree who are believers with me that what you want to do is get to heaven and have your family there? Would everybody agree? Yeah. During this last year, according to the surveys that have been done, about 20 to 30% of people who are actively attending church have stopped. They've strayed away from the faith. That means the highest likelihood is that you and I can think of the names of people that James is telling us about. And he said, I want you to go after them. I want you to find them. I want you to do something about it. They've strayed away. That word strayed is a very interesting word to me. Uh, It isn't that they all of a sudden one minute, you know, just quit. It was a slow intent that was developing in their heart. Maybe it was always there. The seeds were already there, but when 2020 hit, it took hold of them. And it was too easy to stay away from church and not come back. I've been intrigued by what they keep calling the 50%. 50% are doing better during this season. 50% are doing worse. 50% of marriages got better during 2020. 50% got worse. 50% of families did better, 50% got worse. 50% of people's health improved, believe it or not, and 50% didn't. Uh, 50% of people financially had a great gain this last year, and then 50% did not. And then spiritually, you got to wonder what the percentage is. See, I'm talking to especially men all over the place who self-report to me, hey, before COVID, I was attending church once a month, but now I'm online or attending physically once to twice a week. That's awesome. Yeah, but what about the 20% or more who are not attending at all? By the way, the Bible's clear. You cannot be with Christ and not be in church. There's no, there's no other way out of that. That's why we're warned in Hebrews, do not forsake the gathering together of the body. And, and so are people living out a developing intent that was already there? Deuteronomy 31.21 says this. It says, then it will come about when many evils and troubles come upon them. In other words, when tough times come. That this song will testify before them as a witness, for it shall be, not be forgotten from the lips of their descendants. And God says, for I know, I know their intent which they are developing today before I have brought them into the land which I swore. He said, before I brought them into the promised land, they were already developing an intent not to be faithful. And and I want to say again, I'm so concerned for people who are developing an intent to not be faithful 
And then when the tough time hit, they couldn't stand. They couldn't hang in. They couldn't hang on. What am I talking about? I'm talking about, and let me just get really clear on this. Parents who, if I asked you, do you want your kids to really, really have Jesus as a priority? And you'd say yes, but he's not a priority to you. Uh, If it's a sporting event or church, what would you choose? Well, you know what? What, You're going to choose the priority. If it's that easy not to be in church, is it a priority? Now, you know what? There are places around the world where people risk their lives not only to walk with Christ, but to attend a church fellowship. And we live in a country today where people by and large, just don't even go. And it costs you nothing. I bet not one of you got up this morning were being threatened with a beating for showing up here. It's just not a priority for so many people. So you're developing an intent and you're teaching it to your children. Um, Are you in the word every day? Are you praying the way you need to? Are you worshiping? Are you committed to God financially? Are you in a fellowship setting that's relationally connected? All those things are things the Bible says are not uh, something we should leave out. We should be actively involved in. And, And so what happens is people are developing this intent. See, the Bible says that sin and straying away is a process. That's what James said. He said, look out for those who stray away. Uh, Eve would be the first person we watch stray away. He, she and Adam were the first created humans in the Garden of Eden in a place of perfection. Uh, everything around them was perfect. God only said one thing you can't do. You can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So do you know what gets really scary? We find out that Adam and Eve used to go on dates to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They actually show up there together. And it says in Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Notice they were there together. A lot of times, a lot of people want to attack Eve. What was Eve doing there? The question is, what was Adam doing there with her? They did it together. But did you see what happened? There was a progression, a strain. First of all, she saw the tree was good for food. She's like checking it out. Then she saw it was pleasing to the eyes. She's fantasizing about it. See, a lot of times what happens, we get tempted. By the way, a temptation is not a sin. The problem is is when we begin to fixate on it, when we begin to stare at it, when we begin to, to think about it, fantasize on it. Then the next thing she did is she justified it. So she looked at it, she fantasized about it, and she justified it. Oh, that's desirable to make me wise. I'd look so good in that. I'd feel so good with that. And, and, and just really, really beginning to think of all the good that could come from that moment. Not thinking of all the bad that will occur afterwards. And then it says she took from it, and her husband did it with her. Um, So many times we love to team up with other people in sin. 
We love to get them on our side and have them participate with us. And that's what happened in this case. But she strayed. It started by going to the tree, looking at the tree, fixating on the tree, justifying it. And, and again, that's what the Bible says. When people start to stray, get them early. When you have a friend that you know hasn't been in church for a couple of weeks, are you calling them, texting them, saying, hey, I, I missed you? Um, in your home, when you start noticing either the husband or the wife is like not as excited to be a, a part of worshiping God, are you like, uh-oh, time out? We gotta get this right. In Matthew 13, Jesus began to say this, that, that, people, that, that people can suffer and be taken away from the very things that God wants. In Matthew 13, Jesus said this. He goes, the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky place, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He said, you've got this guy and he's hearing the word of God and he's all excited about it. Then it says, yet... He has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, he immediately falls away. Um, affliction is things that bug you. When things start bugging you, you start to see how real your faith is. Um, see, some people get bothered by things, and, and, and I'm going to use the word bugged by things, and uh, you know why, though, it's so interesting? A year from now, none of that's going to matter. But it can actually be something that gets to you so much, bothers you so much, it ruins your faith. During this last year, I've watched that happen. I've watched people get so bothered by, and you, there's a whole list of things, the restrictions we were living under, um, the, the fact you couldn't get toilet paper, um, the fact you might have to wear a mask or not wear a mask, um, you know, the fact that, you know, the government decided to take in another trillions and trillions of dollars in loans. Um, and, and all those things are, you know, things that it's okay if we think, I don't agree with that or I don't like it. But when it starts to bug us, when it starts to get to us, when it starts to make us hateful, then we got to ask how real our faith is. Can it take away your love? Can it take away your kindness? Can it take away your, your, your commitment to be caring and loving and, and serving towards others? And uh, remember I told you as a pastor, when I get concerned, because I do care, in this age of social media, I can look and see people who used to be a part of this church family that are just vile and hateful and angry and mean. And I'm like, whoa. And they're not here. And I'm like, God, is there any way we can get them back? Because the answer isn't, well, let them go. Can we get them back? Not just back to attending. By the way, if you're listening and thinking, oh, Chuck, it's all about attendance. No, it's never been about attendance. It's always been about commitment. It's about the best for you and the love that God has for you and for them. So Jesus said, be careful when things are afflicting you because that can start to show who you are. 
In other words, you know what is, is if you start finding stuff coming out of you, that means it was already there. Uh, so when you're at home and your wife is bugging you and all of a sudden you're snapping, you're like, oh, sorry, that wasn't me. No, that was the real you sneaking out. And uh, you and I need to understand, okay, that, that just started to expose a lot of who I am. That really, really did. And I don't want to be that way. Um, another reason Jesus said people fall away is not just they get bugged or bothered, it's they get worried. In Matthew 13, 20 and 22, it says, and the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Uh, by the way, this is like to me one of those 50-50 verses. What do I mean by that? Well, about 50% of the people during times like this worry takes over and about 50% they're doing so good the deceitfulness of riches take them away. So remember James is saying be careful and care for people who stray away. And he says, some stray because of affliction, Jesus said. Some stray because they're filled with anxiety. They're filled with anxiety. People right now, about 50%, are suffering from higher anxiety levels than they probably almost ever have. The good news, we're in a season where maybe that's starting to come down some. But when fear takes over, fear chokes faith. Faith and fear don't go together. Uh, and I'm not saying that to make anybody who struggles with anxiety feel guilty. Because I care about you and we love you and we want to help you. Uh, and by the way, the studies do show when you're in a solid place of faith that you'll do better. It's not always going to be quickly over, but you'll do better. But when anxiety takes over, tough times come. We can make decisions that aren't good decisions. Worry can cause us to do that. Uh, and we need to be very careful about it. Uh, I was sharing with our staff about a friend of mine who uh, was coming up to a major transition moment in his life. And he didn't know what was on the other side. He uh, is the senior pastor of one of the largest churches in the country. And it was, it was very, very close to the time for him to hand over the baton to the next person. And he knew it was coming. So he decided to, to meet with a person to do life coaching with them because he was starting to be so filled with anxiety and worry. Like, what's going to happen to me? What am I going to do? How am I going to have friends? How, you know, all those things that go through your mind. And uh, the life coach sat down and did something pretty cool. He said, let's just map out a, a map of your life, where you've come from to where you are now. And then we'll look at what's coming next. And so they began to write down all these kind of cool moments that had happened in his life and, and led up to where he was to this point. And he, he said, okay, let me ask you a question. When did you experience God the most in your past? And they began to look at it. And every time he experienced God most, this probably won't surprise you, is during a time of challenge. Does, does that, that didn't surprise anybody, does it? Uh, you know when your faith really matters most is when it's tested, would you agree? And he said, okay, so this was a time of challenge. Did God come through? And my friend said, yes. This was a time of challenge. Did God come through? And my friend said, yes. And he, he named it like eight or nine times where it just was a tough season in his life. But God always came through. And then the life coach looked at my friend and said, okay, you don't know what's going to happen over here, but if God came through these nine times, what makes you think 
he won't come through over here. Let me ask you a question, all you who love the Lord. Do you think God's going to come through you tomorrow? Yeah, he's going to, right? God will come through. He's faithful. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says, even if we're faithless, he's faithful. And he cares about us, and he knows our weaknesses and knows our struggles. But Jesus said, I want you to be aware that a lot of people are going to struggle with their faith and start to stray away because they're filled with worry. And so when you find somebody in your world, your sphere of, of relationships, and you're noticing they're starting to be filled with a lot of worry. Maybe you're single and they're worried, I'm turning another birthday and I don't think there'll be somebody for me. I, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with my job. And you just start to say, okay, you know what? Can you just trust that God's not surprised by this? And, and can I be with you? Not pointing the finger saying what's wrong with you, but can I be with you in this moment? And Jesus said, if you see someone who's starting to be filled with worry, be, be extra caring because they may be close to straying away. And then he said this, the other thing that causes people to stray away is the deceitfulness of wealth, which by the way, I do know is true. Uh, 50% again are doing better than they've ever done financially. Uh, I think that might even be higher here at Crossroads. And very often when all of a sudden a lot more money comes in, we just start doing things we wouldn't normally do because now we have the resources to do it. But it's a test of whether God and his church are your priority. See, we're in a world today that you can travel and still be online. So that, that actually is a benefit. But just like I care about my oldest son, I care about our church family. And when I see people are not involved at all, but they're traveling all sorts of cool places, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just thinking, oh, please, Lord, not, not this be one who strays away. Because all of a sudden they're getting everything they think they wanted, but they're going to end up giving up the very thing they need. They need the Lord. They need the Lord. And so we got to ask that question. What is it that would take our, us away, would take our friends away? Which brings back to what James says we're supposed to do. James says, if you see that happening in somebody's life, love them enough, care about them enough to reach out to them. Don't let them just stray away. And if they have strayed, do everything you can to get them back. See, one of the great signs of a loving church family is that we are going to care for the lost sheep. By the way, it's so interesting, and, and just maybe this is just me, but I'll let you know this. Every now and then I'll talk about, hey, this was a great weekend. We had this many decisions. And then someone will say, well, how many were first time? And I'll go, I don't know. And I do care, but let me be honest. I care about a first-time decision. I care just as much about someone recommitting. Did you know the parable of the lost sheep was a sheep who recommitted? The lost coin belonged to the widow as a recommitment. The prodigal son was the son of the father. Those were all three recommitments. And, and God didn't want you know, us to go, oh, those are just recommitments. If you bring a friend here who doesn't know the Lord and they walk that aisle and give their life to Christ, I'm going to rejoice with you. But if my oldest son walks the aisle, will you rejoice with me? And the answer is what? Yeah. I know you will. 
I know you will. We will together. And see, that's what James is talking about. He's saying, look at the church family. Care about the church family. And you go after them. You go after them with everything you've got. Because people do get into trouble. People do hit a time that's tough. Uh, look again, James 5, 19 to 20 says, My brethren, if anyone among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. So I, I started out with the why question. And I'm going to not leave you hanging because I think I know the answer. Why did my oldest son fall away? And I think it was two things that, that are, are, were integral. There was more. It was more complex than that. But two things were very integral in his lost faith. One was uh, we went into a season where we had so many people in our lives die that he went into depression and I didn't spot it. Uh, we lost my mom, or my, my grandmother, my grandfather, and my dad right in a row. And we were close to each other. He was close to all three. Then we lost seven people in our youth ministry that he was a part of. Um, I was just with my brother and sister-in-law who were a part of our lives during that season. And, and Jackie, Pam's sister, brought up the fact that it actually began to be said if if you go to Christ Church of the Valley and are in Chuck's youth ministry, you, you probably are going to die because there's just so many people dying. And uh, one of his closest friends was murdered in an ATM over $20. And uh, another six, one, the woman, a girl who mentored him, a college girl who mentored him, died in a horrible car accident. And um, I know today enough to know I missed it. Because I think I was dealing with my own pain, but I should have stopped and tuned into my sons. And he's asking that question back then. How can God be God with all these people dying? So that was one of the things that took him away. Depression. And, and loss and grieving. And I would say that today I'm more sensitive than ever when I see somebody in our church family who's struggling with depression or loss and or grieving, and I know that can take you away. Maybe today that's you. Maybe you're thinking, man, I'm just so sick of all this, and, and people are acting like things are coming back, but for me, it's not. And there's a God who cares, the God who cares and comforts. The other thing that took my son away, by the way, was philosophy. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, it says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. But see to it, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And um, he was very, very involved in philosophy. And there's a lot of philosophy that's just not good. It's empty. So in the midst of 
the depression, in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the grieving, those kind of things got into his mind. And he strayed slowly away. And um, we've been trying now for years to get him back. There are so many hopeful moments. One moment he and I and Pam were sitting out by the fire. He got really emotional and he, uh, he said, Dad, it's not that I don't want to believe. And if my daughters had a faith like yours and mom's, that would be fine with me. And we kept talking and I said, Rich, I don't want to bug you but I want you to know that I would do anything I could to bring you back to Christ. And he got really emotional and he said, Dad, if you didn't, that would really bother me. He said, if you didn't want that, if you didn't care enough to tell me, because I know what you believe, he said, that would bother me. So he gave me permission to keep it up. And I've, I've kept it up, you know, so. Um, but during this season, as I came to this passage to talk to you about James, I, I want us all to care that much about people. Who is it this week you could call and say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's go to church together. I mean, if it's a guy... Tell them, come Father's Day, we'll give you bacon and ice cream. I mean, I mean, you hold bacon out and men show up. You know, just do it. What if they're not in the area? What if you said, hey, let's watch online at the same time? You know, we're doing a, a series on Wednesdays called Connecting with God. What if by Wednesday you talk to some people and said, hey, even though we can't see each other, what if we watch together at the same time? And then let's get together and talk about it on the phone or or in a Zoom call or something? What if you decided to have a watch party because you think, I don't know if they'll come to church. But my question is, is using one of those three, inviting them to come have a watch party, or invite them to watch when you watch, what if, what if this week you did that? What if you thought of somebody and said, hey, I miss you. I haven't seen you in a while. By the way, it isn't all that hard to ask this question. Hey, how are you doing with Jesus? Um, I have a feeling that they're probably going to give you a good answer. So let's just care that much. Let's just take to heart what James said. Let's, don't, let's be a church that agrees people aren't just going to stray away and we're not going to show enough love and care to, to say, come back. And how can I build a bridge to get you back? Let's just do a good job with that. Yeah, praise God for that. Today, maybe that's you. Today, maybe in this moment, you know that there's an intent developing inside you that would allow you to wander away from where God wants you to be. And it starts by that that intent developing, God said. 
So maybe right now it's worry. Maybe right now it's, there's just so many things taking a higher priority than God. Maybe right now it's afflictions. Things are just bugging you and bothering you and you can't let go of them. Maybe it's something else. But let me tell you this. I want you to know that God loves you and God cares about you. And as your pastor, man, I do too. I want the best for you. God wants the best for you. So whether you're here in the building or you're on the patio or you're online right now, let me tell you that God couldn't love you more than he does. And by the way, let me stop for a moment. I say that all the time, but it's so true. God loves you. God cares about you. God actually wants you. And if you're not where you need to be with the Lord, either you've never come to know the Lord or you've never, or you used to know the Lord and now you're, you're, you've started straying in your mind or heart. Or maybe you just happened to show up today and, and this is the moment to say, I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna ask you to do what the Bible says to do. Jesus said, how do you come back to your first love? He said, remember from where you've fallen and then repent. In other words, say to God, I wanna come back. And then start again. He said, start again like you used to. So right now, there's some of you, I'm hoping you're going to pray a prayer with me. You could pray it alone. You could pray it just with you and I. You could pray it with a, a person, another person, a friend. Or, or if you're a couple, you can do that as a couple. But I'm going to lead a prayer. And if you, today's your day to say yes to God, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, either for the first time or to recommit. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I pray today in the midst of what is very an emotional moment for me that everybody here would know that you really love them and care about them and that nothing matters more in life than where they are with you. So I pray right now for anybody who needs to open their heart to you and commit or recommit their life to you. Oh, Lord, I pray they will. Whether they're here or on the patio or they're watching part of our online family, that right now, Lord, they would, they would begin to go, you know what, I'm not where I should be with God. God, I pray they'd start to feel that. Those words would even be there. I'm not where I should be with the Lord. And Lord, they would then in this moment get ready to call out to you and say yes to you. Lord, I pray right now they, would, they could feel your touch. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Right now, are you ready to say yes to God or ready to recommit and say, I want to be back completely? Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. So I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. And I pray you'll draw me really close to you because I want to give my life to you. I want to be yours. So I say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Well, amen. If you just prayed that prayer right now, either for the first time or maybe you're making a recommitment, we are so excited for you. This is the best decision you could ever make. And we want to know because we have resources and people who would love to come alongside you as you journey 
further towards Christ. So you can text AMEN to 77247 today, or you can head to crossroadschurch.family now, and you can click on I Said Yes. While you're at crossroadschurch.family, you're gonna see a bunch of opportunities when you click Take My Next Step. You're gonna see opportunities that might fit you in your stage of life, whether you've just made a decision to follow Jesus or you've been in the church for a really long time. We encourage everybody, no matter where they are in their journey with God, that they would take their next step and continue growing toward Him. So click on that button as well if you'd like to take your next step. Hey, if this message really made a difference in your life and you're thinking of someone during the message that could benefit as well, hit that share button and just send it over to them so they could be encouraged as well. Let us know also in the comments what resonated with you today or if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray over you or anyone in your family or your friendships that you're praying to come to know the Lord. We'd like to partner with you in that. Just put that in the comments. We read every one of them that comes through. Of course, we wanna invite you to join us again, like Pastor Chuck said, on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We're going through a series called Connecting with God. And then again on Sundays, where we're gonna finish out our James series next Sunday when life gets messy. So join us live at 9 a.m. on Sunday or anytime after that on demand. But as you go into a brand new week, Crossroads, or whenever you're watching this, just know we are praying that God would bless you and that his presence would be so known to you and that he would call to mind for each one of us, those people or that person that we should reach out to to make sure that they have a chance to come back to Jesus as well. Have a great week and we'll see you again next time.